Hey everyone, it's Craig and Katya. And what are we here to tell them about? We're here to talk to you about Patreon. Patreon, the sexy solution for supporting your favorites. Absolutely. Do you want hot, juicy new content not available to the general public? Well, for just a very small donation, you can get access to all that. A small donation for sexy, hot content available nowhere else to no one else. Locked up and secure just for you, baby. That's right, darling. And for five, seven, or ten dollars a month, which is really less than a cocktail in most major cities, you can get hours and hours and hours of content. That's true. Are you bored? Do you hate your life? Do you love your life? It doesn't matter. Enhance it or replace it with Whimsically Volatile on Patreon. So you can get our bonus episodes, our listener questions bonus episodes, and Katya and Craig's Movie Club. Join now at patreon.com slash Katya and Craig. And now that we've gotten through the business bit of things, let's get into the show. A Russian ballerina stomping on a bureaucrat. A perky suburban housewife who's dipping a toe in scat. Skip it a bop, skip it a bop, skip it a bop, 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 bow. It's whimsically Oh, it's an exciting day on Whimsically Volatile. Yes, it sure is. We have a very special guest. Special indeed, Mr. Michael DeBar. Star of stage and screen. And sound, or what would you call it? Records. Records. Records and musical entertainment. An all-around um, thoroughbred entertainer. Indeed, indeed. You may have seen him on Nip Tuck. You may have seen him on MacGyver or uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. I was left thinking, who do you want me to be to make you sleep with me? interesting you should say that because yeah. you know that is one of the main lines of one of his biggest songs i had no idea i know it's amazing you just you, you know you two were operating in the same way, mental plane and yeah. wavelength vibing vibing incredibly funny and insightful and wonderful guy exactly yeah. so we're happy that we uh, were able to get him on the show yeah about to be furious but i'm tired of being furious <laughs> and we are here with michael debar who is uh, talking about his new book uh, tired of being furious <laughs> yes yes oh that is such a good i don't know if it's a book i don't think i could i don't think i've got the patience to write a book mm-hmm. i'll, I'll leave that to maybe. the ex-wife you know i'll let pamela write the books she's written five and they're all glorious yeah. if you haven't read them you guys um, confessions of a groupie i'm with the band pamela debar um, in fact, she had a reading in Hollywood the other night, which was sensational. Oh, where was it? It was at uh, that gallery on Sunset Boulevard, uh, a photo gallery, Mr. Musichead. Mm. And he's a great guy and, and knows the history of everything. Yeah. You know, he'll know what color Jim Morrison's underwear was when he threw them away. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but Miss Pamela and Mercy read from the books. And also read the lyrics of the GTOs. For you guys out there who don't know Miss Palmer, she was a very, very famous groupie in the 60s and uh, six, five or six girls under the aegis of Frank Zappa. And um, they made this record called Permanent Damage with Rod Stewart. Oh, I didn't know Rod was on that. With Jeff Beck. Wow, yeah. With Lowell George. But it's all songs about Rodney Pinkenheimer and stuff. I mean, right. it's just so avant-garde. But it was a really fun night to hear them 
now they're, shall we say, not 18 mm -hmm. anymore. <laughs> sure. But to hear uh, them read those lyrics was so fascinating. And the, and the room, who was in the room, very young girls, mm -hmm. they were huh. all dressed like Miss Pamela, Yeah, oh, wow. was 80% of the audience. Wow. Which, I mean, when you think about it, it's pretty interesting. It is also the carry-on effect. Uh, the cultural impact of things the can be very short. The girls together outrageously, yeah. that, that, that 60s ethos is just still alive. Still Why? Coming. Because there's no ethos now. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's ether, yeah. maybe. Right. You know, cyber... Um, Cybersex. <laughs> That's but, your ethos, right, Ryan? Is, oh, yeah, cyber, yeah. yeah. Full tilt cybersex. Yeah, yeah but I'm full on social media. I love all of that. But the night was exquisite because of it, these youngins taking the torch, as it were. Sure. And because uh, it's a feminist thing. It is a feminist. You know, it's thing, hashtag yeah. me, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know, and, yeah. and, and I believe in that. I say so every day on the radio. Yeah. Little Stevens Underground Garage Series XM Channel 21. Uh, my show's on every day. Five million listeners, and if there's anybody listening that listened to my show, I love you, you know that. Mm -hmm. But I say, uh, you know, the equality. Actually, I think women are vastly superior. Mm -hmm. I think we both agree yeah. on that I, point. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you on that and one. And I've learned more, put it this way, I've learned more from women than I've ever learned from a man. Mm -hmm. I agree. Intellectually and spiritually, yeah. I think they... And they say, I'm saying they, like they're a separate alien. They, well, sometimes they are, but <laughs> sometimes we are. But the point is, is that I get the truth, you know, and, uh, and that's all I care about right now. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. just somebody telling me the truth. That's why today is so challenging for us. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's just a bunch of fake news. You know, it's yeah. a bunch of, um, and the guy espousing that it's fake news is responsible for the fake news. It's this weird dilemma, this this duality that is disgusting the flag at the white house has been down for um, a couple of days because of the passing of senator john mccain whose mm -hmm. politics I, i'm not particularly you know wasn't behind but our president i put it back up there now this what are we nine right yeah i mean it is such an incredible vibe i mean god bless him you know god bless everybody but just a, yet another illustration of how fucked up it really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard, hard for me to actually continue to stay engaged with the news. Well, this though... is, but this, this is the answer to that is we cannot run and escape and watch Netflix. I said this exactly, this morning. Yeah. I said, listen, don't numb yourself with some series that you're digging to get yeah. away from what's happening. You are needed right now. Right. I mean, we, we have to, and I'm not talking about riots in the streets. I'm talking about a frequency of love and acceptance and energy and power and giving each other love and kindness and courage to change. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can't numb ourselves and not watch the news. You know, of course you don't want to watch the fucking news. You don't want to see a traffic accident. You want to get to your home and turn Netflix on, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we gotta, we gotta gird our loins, as they would say, the yeah. Bible. <laughs> um how long have you been in the united states since 75 well i came here in 72, 72 in my first band silverhead and then i met miss pamela in 74 on my birthday in new york city it's and a good birthday yeah man and that was that you know i uh it was the greatest present ever you mm. know and i love her very much to this day even though we're not together together mm. Um, so I've been since 74. 74, yeah. yeah. In Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles, um, yes, but the first 25 years of that was on tour, you know, yeah. so mm. doing gigs and movies and or whatever it was. 
Um, but I consider Los Angeles my home in America. You know, I was born in England, but I was raised in the United States. Right. And you were yeah. born into very interesting circumstances, which I, th I think a lot of our listeners would be interested in. I was an immaculate conception. Right, of course. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> that's the school I went to when I was the Catholic school yeah, that, I went to. That's my school. Yeah. And I. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know me mom and dad but yes my father was an aristocrat and so on and so forth and all that so shit. you're a marquee yes what is that what is that mean? it's a tent it's a small it. tent um, <laughs> what does it mean it yeah. means that uh, you have rhythm and blue blood hmm. so you're born into aristocracy and yeah. yet there was a financial problem well, yeah, my father went to jail when I was three days old, you know. Holy shit. So, well, sort of. <laughs> um, but I can think of holier things. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a crazy story, you know. And, we love crazy stories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is just a show uh, based on those. But if, yeah, you, yeah. You know, if you'd like to... Uh... Well, I think that the important thing here is is that it's all... Uh, nonsense and we are all the same and we're yeah. all stars and we're all loving creatures you know and we get sidetracked with fear and anxiety but uh, in those days um i uh didn't know my father and mother at all mm -hmm. uh, i met them a couple of times but what happened was because my father was this aristocrat my education had been paid for Mm -hmm. on my first birthday right oh. and i went to the schools that he went to mm -hmm. but he burned through um the money oh. so the duality of my life has been educated in these incredible academic institutions in england um where you're taught latin and buggery <laughs> <laughs> in that order <laughs> and i uh, i learned a lot man you know because i never went home in the vacation period i would stay mm -hmm. in this gothic these schools oh, that wow. were huge and uh, Wuthering Heights ish, you know, mm -hmm. with a touch of Alistair Crowley. But I, I, um, you know, at 16, I, and all, everything had been paid for, is right. my point. Mm -hmm. sure. My father's in yeah. jail, my mother's in the loony bin. She's a schizophrenic, oh, wow. beautiful singer, jazz singer, you know, apparently. And uh, it's it's a long and involved story, I, you know. But at sixteen, I, I I you know was expelled, and I came to London, and I within six weeks I landed the role into Sir with Love. One of the reasons I wanted to get into your early days is because having to uh, live in that world and sort of learning acting automatically. It's kind of fascinating to me. I just think it must have shaped how you your perspective on the world. A bit. That's a brilliant observation. Um, and that's what I've been doing all my life. The biggest song I ever wrote was called Obsession. The chorus is, who do you want me to be to make you sleep with me? I mean, sure. How, how mm -hmm. on the nose can I be about it? <laughs> um, and, the, and the truth of the matter is, you know, in, in, the, in the British school system, which is masturbatory and cruel and wicked and absurd and should be changed, oh. as it has been over, you know, this is decades ago. This is in the 13th century. But <laughs> I, 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 I learned a lot, man. I learned how to fit in into whatever particular shape sure. required and yeah. um and yeah that that made me able to act i've never ever said that i was an actor mm -hmm. i've never said that and yet i've been you know 150 hours of american television sure. for 40 movies but but i i never i i don't see myself as that I, or a musician really i wouldn't call myself a musician 
or, or, or an actor or any of that bollocks. I, I have just been in the right place at the wrong time in the wrong place at the right time <laughs> and, and done whatever was necessary in order to, you know, get through the next 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not being cute here because mm-hmm. I think it's way too, yes, I studied under, you know, yeah. Jean Genet, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know where, some, you know, Lindsay Kemp, I actually sort of worked with who recently passed away. Got this. Oh, you work with Lindsay Kemp? I did. I, I would go to a lot of the mind things that David did. And so for listeners who don't know, Lindsay Kemp, who just recently passed away, was a uh, pioneer in the art of mime and was wow. a mentor to Bowie and apparently Mr. Oh, DeBar as well. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah. And many others. I mean, you know, a lot of people that got into fashion and different experimentation sure. of, of uh, music. But yeah, Bowie really uh, took to it. Um, but it was a time of exploration and new experiences. And that's really all I've ever had was the, the yearning for something new, um, mm-hmm. something to spark my interest, you know. So being other people helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you can, yeah. you can have yeah. relationships that possibly you wouldn't have had. You see, the thing is, man, if you decide who you are, you're fucked. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, you change. From, it, it, it prevents you from learning or growing right. or being something sure. new. You know, we, okay, I'm a junkie. Okay, so you'll die a junkie. You know, yeah. okay, I'm a, I'm a depressive. I'll die, you know. then mm. and, and nothing has been clearer to me than these wonderful people, Bourdain, Chris Cornell, you know, mm-hmm. all of these people, uh, Robin Williams. I, mean, I understand depression. I understand it. Yeah. But I refuse to be depressed. Mm. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, and I'm not being in, in any way... Um, Glib or anything. You no, know, or flippant about this because I understand that depression is an illness and so on and so forth. It's just, it's not, uh, I'm, I don't have that. I think that another gene. reason that I was excited to have you on the show, of many, is that you're a survivor. Mm. You've been through a lot of low periods. Oh, yes. And you've kicked uh, your way through. Yes. And Brian has as well. Yeah. And that's something that I think you share. And also, um, I, I don't know if we talked about it in the email or what, or the text, but so Brian's a, a very, very uh, well-known drag performer who was on RuPaul's Drag Race awesome. a couple of times. How and, great. And w- cool. since we were talking about, you know, different identities. Yeah. The, I, 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 it's interesting that you just said that because I was um, a, a little while ago, my th- therapist had, <laughs> had uh, said something that caught me off guard she's like now maybe we can try to figure out who you are and i was like what I was like, <laughs> figure out who i am what does that even mean it means nothing right yeah. <laughs> i'll tell you what it means yeah get a new therapist yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> or, or put on a mini dress and go to the you know the the mall i mean <laughs> that sounds off. like a good tuesday yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean a, god yeah. bless everybody but you see this is it you know this is psychology spirituality by numbers and it's absurd you know, you learn from experience. This is the only three rules you need. Be kind, be cool, be courageous, and have a great wardrobe. There you go. And you'll be fine. Yeah. You know, recovery. Listen, it's it's almost like, what do you do for a living? Um, I recover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. what is it, a job? Yeah. You know, come on, man. You know, we'll live. Listen, this is it right here. Me and you on the couch. That's it. Just don't put the dress on just now. <laughs> it's um, too early. Is that yeah, it? It's, it's well, too early. It's yeah. too late. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, 
Um, this is coming from a man who's had quite a, a spectrum of sartorial. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Close. It's so funny. I was, I was thinking the other day about the notion of, of deciding who you are and being that for the rest of your life. And I, I've always been very imagistic in terms of visual in fashion. I love fashion. Yeah. Uh, well, let me let me put that another way. I love style. Yeah, There's a sure. difference, you yeah. know, between those two things. But if you if you are in an outfit, it definitely informs the way you're going to behave. If Certainly. I if sure. I walk into a party in a kilt, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very different from walking in there in a gray suit, you right. know, yeah, and wingtips. What yeah. do they call those shoes? Yeah, uh, but um, I think it, I'm actually wearing wingtips. But it's right just now. it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, people go, well, you know, you're such a peacock, you know. I go, well, in many ways, dear, yes, you know. Uh, and, and I love to wear clothes. I love it. That's right. But the other thing is narcissism yeah. got me sober. That's interesting. How should you think about this? this? Yeah, how, uh, you, explain you. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I looked in the mirror. I looked like Iggy Pop's granddad. <laughs> That's why. Right. Sure. Sure. So yeah, vanity I, I, can help I, a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Narcissism. I'm not talking about anything highfalutin. I'm talking about vanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I looked in the mirror. And I thought, oh, gee, what on earth? Are you kidding? That's not part of the. <laughs> Wait, hang on a minute. <laughs> hang mythology. on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, yeah. that's no good. And uh, and it took me because I only used drugs hardcore for about seven years. Uh huh. And the first three were fantastic. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the tricky bit. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. tricky bit. Really yeah. Yeah. But you know, this is back in the seventies where uh, coke. It hadn't quite become psychotic yet. People uh-huh. hadn't become psychotic, you know, and um, it was more of discovery uh, of sure. what, what you could do and what you could yeah. do. And we're on the road. We're 19, we're 20, 21, Silverhead. You know, we're in, we're in you know, Boise, Idaho, and the parking mm-hmm. lot is filled <laughs> of young girls and their, and their boyfriends or quarterbacks and milk-fed young American youths that wanted to murder us yeah. because oh we were in silver jumpsuits. And, right. And yellow platform boots, and the girls wanted to fuck us, and the guys wanted to kill us, and it was fabulous. <laughs> and, and it was all fueled by Peruvian, you know, uh, energy. Powder, yeah. Yeah, chemical yeah. substances. But then it gets oldie, and it strangles you, and you turn into an asshole, you know. And, yeah. uh, and I did, and... Um, you know, and I, I think what I take away from that was it was just so awful and the people around me. Mm-hmm. And my whole vibe is right now is you've got kindness and thoughtfulness about other people is reciprocal. For instance, if anybody asks me for advice, and this all happened with the radio show, people would ask me, well, you know, I'm this, I'm that, and I'm, I'm recovering, and I'm, you know, I'm strung out, and my wife left me, and all of those things, and... And I encourage people to tell people that they're, you know, tell them of their pain because people are dying to help you. Mm -hmm. Right. People are longing to say something positive because they'll walk away from that going, I, 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 I listened. I gave what I thought was, you know, an answer. You give answers to people to help them that you wouldn't even give yourself. That's right. right. So when you do that, that stays with you, and then you learn from somebody's pain. Somebody right. will say, look, this is happening. I'm gay, but I can't tell my dog, and or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then you say, well, why don't you get a cat? Or whatever, sure. the, you know, yeah, I'm yeah, being yeah. glib because, yeah. it, you know, I'm... I, you know. Um, but when you walk away and you've helped somebody, man, that... It, that 
you benefit from that. Right. So I'm just trying to push that uh, home. And that's what AA is. That's what, uh, you know, the, 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 the vibe of Alcoholics Anonymous is, um, is people being feeling good about themselves, self-respect, self-esteem. It's all about people with low self-esteem and low self-worth, and they drink and they pretend they're something else, and they, you know, and they act out on that. Um, this is very simplistic, obviously. So it's a lot deeper than this, but yeah. it gives, I think, you know, this whole sponsorship, you know, which I've always had problems with you know like they know better than you do well they don't let me tell you right. nobody knows nobody knows uh -huh. an answer you're the answer to your problems yeah. they can love you and sure. they can hold you and embrace you and be there for you but they, they can't do it for you and what about the aspect though of like you said uh sharing problems with each other that, that well that's it. it i yeah. think it's a mutual i think if you understand the mutuality of, of the relationship with somebody that um you're considering a sponsor, but the last thing you can do in the world is deify them oh, or, right. or think sure. of them on a pedestal because yeah. they're not, buddy. You know, as likely as not, they'll fall off the pedestal. I mean, the, recidiv the recidivism of it is immense. And I think those who stay sober do the most service. That's why I call myself a humble servant on the radio. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's ironic that yeah. a flamboyant idiot like me <laughs> would call himself humble, but that's the fucking point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> So they take a lot of my crap because they know that I know that it's crap. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just having fun yeah. sure. because I believe in having fun. Yeah, you, you know, have a pretty yeah. good sense of humor. Yes, yes, yeah. everything is funny to me. I mean, that's why a banana skin, you know, that's why Chaplin, I mean, that's why the silence, we're all about accidents. Mm -hmm. Everything yeah. we laughed at was Buster Keaton, you know, avoiding accidents, which I thought was Dada, mm -hmm. which is surreal and beautiful. You know, Buster Keaton was an amazing artist and his work will live forever. But, you know, so I try and have fun with the, the idea. So it doesn't become um, profound. <laughs> yeah, and serious. So profound. I mean, <laughs> you know, if yeah. you listen to like I... Just recently revisited Bill Moyer's interviews with Joseph Campbell for PBS. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're aware of either of those people. Yeah, aware the, of them, but I don't know those. Joseph Campbell is the, the the masks of um, the mythology. Uh, mytho he was the yes. mythology scholar. Yeah, and the masks. masks of God. Precisely. Yeah, you could do yourself a real favor and go and watch that because mm -hmm. this guy was so connected to something that is so unbelievably pure and loving and brilliant and intellectual at the same time and, and yet very clear and humanistic but as seen through mythology that is the mythology of all cultures can really sh tell us and show us who we are you know and, and what this all is and, and and what does it mean and what do we want to be doing and what is our goal what is the goal right is there yeah. a goal there isn't a goal this yeah. is the goal. Yeah. yeah. This is the goal. Yes, exactly. This is yeah. the Oscar right here. Right. Yeah. I mean, to think about projecting, uh, one day, one day, I'm going to make love to Scarlett Johansson <laughs> and Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. I mean, you know, right. This is the goal right here as he yeah. sips his water. I've heard you talk about other like spiritual um, pursuits that have supplemented your recovery, like um, Eckhart Tolle and like. Um, the what are there any other like examples? Krishnamurti, but oh, you yeah, know, Krishna, because Krishnamurti was, I think, inspired everyone. You know, here's a 19 year old in the early 1900s where the matrons of the Victorian England went to India, as they all did, because India was owned by the British. And uh, you know, a, a very young Krishnamurti was um, saying, Hey, 
this is it right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is nothing else but this. But now, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and uh, we we don't judge or uh, condemn ourselves. We observe ourselves, and all that philosophy was taken by just about everybody: Christopher Isherwood and so on and so forth. So many different writers and uh, poets and philosophers, Joseph Campbell being one of them, who quotes Krishnamurti constantly, um, informed Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle, you know, it's so funny because people will try and find a way not to be uh, transcend. You know, mm-hmm, like yeah. the amount of people I've heard, oh, I hate his voice. <laughs> I mean, kiss my ass. Right, right. <laughs> you hate <laughs> yeah. God's voice. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, we're all gods. and and uh, but he's a profound thinker and it's all about existentialism it's not a, not in a Montmartre you know artist poet painter way but in a in a humanistic way in a day-to-day life right. here yeah. we are in hollywood right you know we're not in a um, ashram in bangladesh right, right. now yeah. you know although you can be sure you know a little uh, travel and, it, and it'll help it'll help when you're on the 101 which is a freeway <laughs> yeah in los angeles you guys um which is constantly crammed you mm-hmm. know and now i live out in pasadena this gorgeous house but i i I just avoid going on these freeways. Yeah. Um, but I had such fun with you guys last time, you know. So oh, thanks. I, yeah. I was, I, uh, I was thrilled that you, uh, did that interview and that you're back now. But Krishnamurti and Eckhart Tolle are really good, um, people to go to. Yeah. And, and read and absorb and listen to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember I, the, one of the books, the, the power of now I read once and nothing stuck. And then I read it again. And then my whole, mind just blew open well here's the thing that's a very very keen observation to be able to say that because the the truth is in front of you all the time it's it's up to you whether you see it read it feel it and you know and get Mm -hmm. off on it you know i mean it's like if you're thinking in terms of physical intimacy love intimacy you know that exchange Somebody that you would think would be the absolutely the last person on earth you'd want to couple with or yeah. live with or, or or make love to or be made love to by, uh, it, it, you can be completely wrong about them. Yeah. And you meet them six months later, you go, oh, my God. But we change in a second. That's yeah. true, yeah. So if you take – like, for instance, let's take one thing. Krishnamurti would talk about grudges. Mm-hmm. And how absurd that notion is. When you really think about it, you somebody did you wrong a year ago, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, and you hold on to it. And you d- identify that person. And that person is not that person anymore. Right, right. That person has changed. Sure. But we want to stick with what's comfortable. With right. what, uh, more so, we want to stick with what we think is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a thought. Yeah. And it's it, not and a in that feeling. Instance, if someone does you wrong, it's essentially a transaction it's a situation. Yeah, and I that, think you're almost happy about it. That's right. Because it makes you feel happy. Well, I got him sussed out. Yeah. He's an asshole. Right, good, got it. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, Let yeah, me tell yeah. you another um, thing about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, that kind of, yeah. yeah. And then that grows. Once you uh-huh. get used to thinking sure. of people like that, then then you've had it. But um, so that's why one of the tenets of AA is really good that you do, uh, what's the word? You know, you do like get in touch with people who you- Amends? Yeah, you can make amends with people that you fucked over, and mm. you know, and uh, that that's freeing. And I I really believe that. But the but the thing, terrible thing about that is, <laughs> ten years go by. Yeah. Hi, Billy. This is Michael. <laughs> Michael who? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, this is Michael Desbaras. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember you. Well, listen. I just wanted to say that I'm sorry about 
fucking your wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't care. I'm glad you did. I'm not with her anymore. I hate her. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I'm just being glib here and making this shit up. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it's good for you, maybe, yeah, to right. get it off you. But the uh, person you're actually talking to, yeah. it's worse. Yeah. You're opening up something again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're yes. something that's dead yeah, and that's buried. Right. And, and and now they're you because you want to clear your conscience. <laughs> right. Call up and ruin this person's life <laughs> with your confession. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's like that is so perfect description of a program <laughs> i'm not interested in programs yeah, yeah. i'm not a computer <laughs> i'm hardware i'm not software dear get out of here <laughs> you know that uh, reminds me of something i wanted to ask you about i was recently watching a steve jones interview and for listeners who are not familiar uh, with steve jones he hosts jonesy's jukebox a terrific show on klos and also is the guitarist from the sex pistols the professionals and uh, was in a band with michael called checkered past as mentioned in the terrific documentary, uh, Who Do You Want Me To Be?, which is that set for release yet? Well, we, you know, this licensing business, just to be technical, you know, if you use songs, and yeah. I'm in a Clint Eastwood movie, Johnny Depp, whatever, whatever, the, all of the things I've done, you pay for it. Right. So we spent the last two years literally paying for all of these things that are in the documentary. The filmmaker, genius, brilliant, Josh Weinstein, fantastic. You know, Freaks and Geeks and uh, Mystery, Mystery Science, Science Theater, Theater brilliant yeah. guy, and did a great job in the documentary. But we've had to, you know, uh, do all this licensing business, which is just about done. But I don't care because the documentary is so in and of itself. There's, you know, it's it's timeless because it's about my beginnings and where i went with stuff and things sure. so much has happened since the movie was made but, yeah. but but the core of of the idea of longevity tenacity and good vibes is riddled is through that that movie so you know I'm, i i can't wait for people to see it and one of the things this ties into actually my original uh, thing i was going to ask is that at the screening i got to see it at the cine family and i was thrilled to the room was filled with people from your past uh E.G. Daly, Steve Jones. I mean, just pick, you know, pick a number of names. They're there. And I was telling Brian earlier that one of the things I'm always struck by is that you've maintained relationships with seemingly everyone that you've um, been in touch with. So if you did burn bridges, you repaired them. And I wanted to know what your thoughts are on something like the Steve Jones situation that I'm going to mention, where he talks about when Checkered Pass was coming to an end. He was living with uh, you and Pamela. Then you went away, and he had been off heroin but still partying and then i love he- that word partying you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just classic yeah, yeah. i was sure. talking about that with my friends this is yeah, not yeah. a fucking party it's not I, partying yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i'm trying to think of what's a better word for it grim determination to destruction but that's not one <laughs> word so i'm trying to find junky 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 yeah, yeah. Junkie, so junkie, junkie, doing junkie. the junkie thing again yeah so he wasn't partying he was getting back into the junkie thing again and ended up selling a bunch of pamela's records and a bunch of your clothing basically betraying your trust so I wanted to get your thoughts on how to deal with that when you're at the point with someone who you love dearly. Get new clothes. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. obviously you and Steve, you know, are over all of that. But at the time, what do you do? Um, we were very disappointed, but we understood. I was a recovering uh, junkie myself. Only about three years away yeah, from it at that yeah. point. So I'm very familiar with the behavior. Yeah. I did the same thing to others. So in many ways, when you're wronged, 
you've really got to look at it because that it is not aimed at you. You know, it happens to be yeah. my leather clothes. Sure. And you know how much I love clothes. <laughs> and uh, But it's not about that. It's about the disease of uh, you know, heroin or alcohol, whatever it is. So I was at a point then when I was newly sober, so I was hyper aware. Of course he had to leave because we had an infant child and, and he would come in with a burnt spoon. Uh, yeah. Right, you know, yeah. in his hand. So, uh, which was a shame. And, you know, I love Steve with all my heart. I, I, I think that Steve Jones is, A, the best rock and roll guitar player I ever heard. And I've played with most of them uh, with more feel than anyone. Mm -hmm. And it's not about notes, baby. You know, it's how you, how you feel it when you play it. And um, I also think he's one of the most intelligent people I've ever known. Because if you, if you think, well, what is an intellectual? What does that mean? The guy couldn't read or write for most of his life. But that's not what intelligence is. Right. Intelligence, as I understand it, is somebody who's capable of original thought. Mm -hmm. So Steve Jones has incredible instincts. They call it street instincts, you know, mm -hmm. knowing who somebody, you know, is, and as he would say, suss in the mouth, yeah, you know, sure. immediately, uh, which he has in spades. But, but, but he's also just very very smart about about life you know and and um i have deep admiration for steve as did uh, miss pamela and my son mm -hmm. adored him and it was a sad day but that whole checkered past thing was uh uncool uh, in many ways because uh, the whole band was shall we say chemically altered and uh, except for you and i was newly sober right so i'm standing in the middle of a coke addict uh, a heroin addict and a drunken rhythm section and uh with a big book <laughs> oh my god uh, you know going, uh, <laughs> fellas um page three here yeah, really yeah, is uh, yeah. something here yeah, I, that, I, uh, I never did that no no <laughs> Thank i god. never did that they'd wipe their ass with page three yeah. I, <laughs> but, page three is fairly slow and boring, but for yeah. me it was a Real transition. Because you know, you oh, see sorry, the coffee's here. I'm going to go get it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And also to go back to the Steve Jones thing, I wanted to mention that also because that's an example of someone you had to not give up on, but you had to do a tough love thing on. And sometimes people worry when they do that, that the person might go away, you know, forever. But in this case, it's a great example of eventually he turned everything around. Well, yeah, that's a simplistic view. Sure, I sure. Mean, I like uh, to go simplistic and then get <laughs> worse. I mean, the thing is, is that, and I say it with love, you know, and the thing is, people don't ever go back to where they were. They, they proceed into another universe, and um, he became uh, another person uh, that was not the, but maybe it was my uh, vibe with Mr. Hall of looking after him, and now we couldn't do that anymore. You, yeah. you learn a lot about yourself. Things change, and you don't see one another, but you love one another. You don't have to be around somebody all the time to love them. Sure. And yeah. I haven't seen him in months, you know, uh, or spoken to him. Um, but it, I, it, that's not required, you know. I mean, we change. 
Well, I think it's a perfect example yeah. of the, what you were talking about before. He t- became a different person. Yeah, and he's, he leads his own life. You know, he, Malcolm, you know, eventually they got the money, and money changes everything. Mm. As, uh, as your song. Miss uh, Lauper said, yeah. But, uh, yeah, money don't come in, yeah. But, um, you know, so he went into a different lifestyle. Yeah. You know, he lives in Beverly Hills. You know, he he has liposuction, and, uh, you know, he, he's a sex pistol. And, and a daily radio show. And he's brilliant, you know, mm. and um, he lives a different life. And I, I, I don't live that kind of life. You know, I live in Pasadena with my girl and my cats in the garden, and we grow vegetables and mm. and, um, and stuff like that, man, you know, and, and life goes on. And I'm just really happy that I we were very close for a while, wrote some good songs, and that's all that matters. Mm. Yeah. And, but essentially, the simplistic, again, version, there's a happy end to a story. Because sometimes I think people, a lot of times people uh, who listen to the show sometimes will message us about concerns related to uh, either family members or themselves, related to uh, substance abuse, etc. So yeah. anytime that there's a, a way to point out something that's essentially a happy end of the story. Yeah. Well, there's no real, I mean, happy endings are in massage parlors. <laughs> well, that's what I also thought, Well, because I know Steve's habits, and I thought that that might have, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ticket, um, here's the thing, man. <laughs> All you got to know is it ain't their fault. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, and and that will give you a loving perspective, and then then it's up to you to how much you can take, or how much you want to take, or how much uh, they can give, you know, or, and take from you. You know, it, it, it's minute by minute, second by second. People change, and pow, you know, boom. What about different. people getting addicted to being quote unquote compassionate? Like, say you. Uh, we're like, well, it's okay. I understand you did that, but you can stay in the house. Do you know what I mean? And when, sometimes people ruin their own situation because they want to be there for someone. When they put their other, someone else's needs, yeah, above but you their see own. what's happening is is they are enabling themselves. That's mm-hmm. what that right exactly. People that's don't was... think about oh, I'm enabling him to be able to use heroin. What you're doing is you're enabling yourself to to uh, live with that. Mm. So you're trying to find a reason to be okay with the serial killer that's sitting opposite you watching Netflix. Yeah. Um, so it's it works in many different ways, in mysterious ways of, uh, in life. I, uh, look, I don't. Ju- if I saw Steve today, I would throw my arms around. His head, sure, right. Yeah, you know, and uh, um, no matter what, and no matter even even the people that have you know allegedly. You know, the, I mean, so many business deals, rip-offs, rock and roll, 19 years old. There's so many grudges that one could hold on to. Yeah. But I've lived a, a really pretty cool life, and uh, it would be absolutely disgusting and, and, and <laughs> you know, yeah. To, yeah. To, to have any kind of those those grudges. And the other thing is, is it's okay to just say... I won't deal with that person anymore. I think yeah. that's an important thing right. to talk about, you, though, too. You've got to say, you know? let go. You let go just of people that are uh, toxic, and, and you just get sick of the toxicity. And you're, you know, as I said in the past, I'm only human, you know. Yeah. So you've you you, you, you know, you've got to cut the excess, the poison away, man, you know. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Yeah. Brian, what do you think? I think sometimes people feel guilty about doing that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to take care of yourself first. I think that's the the key there. 
You got to, because if you can't take care of yourself, are you going to take care of somebody else? Exactly. You to know. paraphrase well, RuPaul. Well, it's true, but there are other levels to that. That is that, you know, people who are in pain that you help and, and, you know, it's a very, very flimsy vibe because somebody might be in your life for um, uh, uh, the reasons that are not really predictable in that they need you. It's uh-huh. great to be needed. Yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> you know, so if, if if they're not, you know, it's easy to say just if if they're not good to you, then just let them go, cut them. It's not that easy yeah. mm-hmm. because you're learning. Yeah, I think the I think the vibe is is you've got to step outside of yourself. That's why Christian medicine is so effective for me because I'm a passionate person, but my passion is sometimes you know really cause a lot of issues and problems for me uh, because I'm so impulsive but if you step outside and you look at what you're doing and you're not condemning or justifying it like we talked about earlier mm. it's really really helpful yeah you know where you don't go yo have done this and i'm this and that mm. you know i mean it's uh sometimes people in your life are there for you to learn an enormous lesson yeah and uh, i found that to be true people that i you know was so um I, you know, because I came from such a funky childhood with the parental thing, my yeah. relationships have been pretty quirky. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure, that I, yeah. like I would like somebody that wasn't likable, so they would like me, and then I would like them, and my parents, and yeah, etc. Now, that's no therapist has ever taught me this. Sure, no therapist has ever taught me anything. Have you ever gone to a therapist? Yes, and he asked me for you know how big uh, Jimmy Page's dick was. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, you know we're jumping ahead, but by the way, how big is no, I... <laughs> ahead? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so the band was also... called Led Zeppelin. <laughs> but that that also yeah, I can see how that could maybe <laughs> is, is put your trust in them. In well, a little it's bit of bullshit, a... isn't it? You know, and I'm being glib here, but I've never. I mean, honestly, that's what happened. He just wanted to, but that happens a lot to me. Because rock and roll, you know, to a certain age group, um, is every, all they've got in many ways. The, sure. the What happened before, you know, which I could give a shit about, you know. I mean, on the radio, I'm reintroduced to it because I have to play these songs every day and it's beautiful. And I believe in repetition. Mantras are, rep, rep, you know, those three-minute yeah. songs are mantras to me and, and a lot of – and millions of other people. But – in my own life, you know, somebody comes up to me and talks to me. It's just, are you kidding me? You know, with with what with 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 questions about Robert Plant's bollocks. Oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> just uh, very yeah. What was Jim Morrison like? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 my answer to that is, I wish he was around for you to ask him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he ain't. Yeah. Um, so you've been over. You've been over a hundred television shows. One hundred and fifty hours of television. Fifty hours of television. Yeah. Do you have any like uh, horror stories from working on some of them, or uh, no. the best experience? They've all been. They've all been fantastic. I love. I love the profession. I uh, respond to it uh, for some reason. I love working collaboratively. Mm-hmm. It's really my favorite thing. Um, I get to know everybody immediately. I know that all their names by the second day. Mm-hmm. Uh, merely because of the lighting. <laughs> I, <laughs> but, um, you know, and I do, I get, you know, all of the girls and the, and guys in the makeup departments and the, the costuming. And it's just, it's like, it's like suspended animation. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and I love the, uh, I love the word action. 
Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So when you hear that word, everybody's so tense and so <laughs> and so like, whoa, you know, like this is important shit, you know, like everybody's depending on everybody. And the, the, the theater, especially the theater where you're going out there for two hours and, you know, I love doing live theater. It was like so scary. I mean, I, I narrated 200 motels at Disney Hall. Oh, that's right. For the listeners who are not familiar with that, it's this uh, epic fr- uh, Frank Zappa. Yeah. Um, and it was at Disney Hall. I spent four days rehearsing it and narrated yeah. the whole fucking thing. It's a hundred and thirty piece orchestra. Yeah. Thirty actors. Oh my god. And twenty dancers and Frank Geary and Essa Pekka Salonen <laughs> uh, conducting. Uh-huh. The, the LA Philharmonic. Yeah. I've been scared in my life. <laughs> I ha- I wanted to call the cabs or Uber, whatever it yeah. was. It was so bad. You know, I was in a tuxedo and I was thinking Oh please, God! You know, let this go. Great, and but it's that adrenaline that has been the source of my life. Sure, mm. I've faced so many. I replaced Robert Palmer and went and sang yeah. a live age. Yeah, that, so, yeah. so for and everybody who, says to me, "How oh, they're big shoes to fill." I say, "I brought my own fucking shoes." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, but at the same time, not making time, me wear his wardrobe, guys. Yeah. They're no, not. Uh, yeah. No, really. But bravado is assumed. Mm-hmm. For the most part, uh-huh. meaning that you, you have to act as if you don't give a shit. Sure, uh, right. Well, Brian, you you can yeah. speak to that as I, well. Uh, right? Oh yeah, fake it till you make it. In those moments of like extreme dread, you just kind of barrel through it. Uh, um, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you got three stage hands, you know, pushing you on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> no other choice. There's just no go other choice. Yeah, just That's get the it. fuck on stage. There's no other choice. Yeah. You know, when you're all done up and you're yeah. here and you go, oh, yeah. God, here we go. Yeah. Um, but that moment passes really quickly. Sure. You know, especially if you get the first three lines right. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and, and that happened. You know, it was only one show. It it was the scariest thing I've ever done. Wow. Do you think it was because it was one show? I think so. And it was being filmed and it was being recorded. And and Matt Groening is in the run with Eric Idle. And, Uh, and, you know, I mean, it was like, (laughs) oh, shit. Yeah. And you had to be good. It's not Boise. Yeah. My girl, Britta, who I love with so much, and she moved out of our house. (laughs) During this process. For two weeks before (laughs) the game. Oh, my God. Because I was unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now what were, well, more when you're than un- usual. Yeah. When, when, you're, when you're unbearable like that, what? how does that present itself? Are yeah. you just like, I don't know about this? Are, is it a lot of talk about it? Or is it just in your behavior? Fear. Yeah, sure. Just real hardcore fear of failure, uh, letting everybody down and all of the, the usual crap. But you see... When you get through those moments, you do learn, not very much, <laughs> because it always, it's always there. You know, I just yeah. did MacGyver again. This is Michael in his role as Murdoch. There's another one. Couldn't let the moment pass without letting our audience. Enjoy <laughs> I sound that. like Iggy. Yeah, you do actually. The one where you get electrocuted, you kind of look like Iggy. Too, yeah, right? yeah, man. I love Iggy. And you, you were even me? in some of those uh, disguises in drag. Yeah, the first that's one. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. That was my first right. episode. My first episode I was in drag, and, and it's so interesting on 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 Twitter, you know, because they put, they put up they uh, my people that like me put up um, <laughs> footage of uh, me in drag, and uh, you know. 
I can say I've been in drag my whole life, but but <laughs> in this particular episode, it was the first episode. Sure. And I remember um, my response to all of the tweets, by the way, this last week or two. Uh, that should see the thing is, is these shows are shown somewhere all the time. Yeah. When you've done Father Dowling's Mysteries. You know, Melrose Place, Seinfeld, just like all of these shows yeah. that I've done, and I've yeah. done so many. The inside, I mean, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a, look at it, IMDb. If, you, if massive, you've got the time, list, take yeah. a look, you know. And uh, they are, so they're shown now. Right. All the time. So you're there forever. Right. Yeah. So therefore they relate to you as being thirty five years ago. Sure. So so did CBS when they rebooted MacGyver. Right. Right. <laughs> right? So then I got a call. Um, and, and I did it and they were great and I love them, you know, um, it's an interesting thing that you, pro that you process because Richard Dean Anderson, who was MacGyver and who was a tremendously popular show, you know, on oh, a yeah. ABC, it ran for seven years after Monday Night Football and was an amazingly uh, successful show, which the intelligentsia never watched. Sure. So mm. it was a very much a populist show, which I would mm. rather be any day of the uh, Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, popular rather than admired. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, it, it was really fun. And then they'd done a couple... Oh, no, they'd done one season. That's right. And then I got a call, you know, saying... Would you come and play this character? Actually, it wasn't even Murdoch, you know, but they advertised it as Murdoch when, when I, after I did it, which yeah. was confusing because I didn't play Murdoch. I played right. Nicholas Hellman, who was an assassin. Murdoch's mentor? Yeah, uh, yeah. ready to kill Murdoch, you know, the new Murdoch, who, which is brilliantly played by David Desmalchin, who is an incredible actor and mm -hmm. a great guy. And he's in Ant Man and the Wasp and he's gone all the way. He's a brilliant actor. And I loved him from the beginning. And because on social media in the first season, I said good things. I said, he's great. He's yeah, wonderful. He's right. a fantastic actor. The network went, hmm, okay. Well, he digs it, so that's good. Because Richard said, uh-uh, this is horrible idea. Oh, really? Well, uh -huh. you know, I don't think he actually... I, I think he did expound on how it wasn't very good and all of that and the violence. And and that's up to him. Sure. You know, Selleck is the same with the new Magnum. You know, okay. he's like saying this sucks. And I, you know, uh, oh, we want you to be in it. And I wouldn't be in it. And, and I am Magnum. And, and it, <laughs> see, when you get lost, yeah. see, this yeah. is the thing, man. You know, I mean, how many Hamlets have there been? Sure. About right. three or four, at yeah. least. Yeah, <laughs> right? I think seven. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. right. Yeah, you're right. I'm forgetting about. Years. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. the. You know what it is like. It's like when the Silverhead, my first band, twenty years old, in you know, in drag, literally. I yeah. mean, You know, and um, full makeup, all of it, beautiful sequence, velvet, fabulous silk. Here we are, silver boots, beautiful. For the first three weeks of the tour, then it was the, all those clothes were stolen, and we, you know, and we were wearing shit, you know. But sounds again another parallel yeah, with yeah. some of your right. other familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, that's, uh, how funny! Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd find. Um, but so it, what the vibe though is, is that the, those songs when people say you should do a silver Red reunion, I said. Would Anthony Hopkins play Romeo? <laughs> right. I've always got nothing to do with me. Yeah. That's 16 and Savage. It's not 17 and Savage, is yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a different person. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I don't want to be somebody's memory. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, you don't want we, to put on the clothes that you put on at uh, well, that I, age? I, and, uh, well, no, I do that for, for my girl. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, of course, of course. But that's, a, that's the only audience I need. But, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that 
you know, but that hasn't been uh, really by the rest of the band has not been appreciated particularly. Oh, okay. You know, and I understand that. It's just I've done a lot of things since. And, yeah, uh, you've kept moving. Yes, yeah. and I don't want to, you know, ever do anything again. Sure. So therefore, when they asked me to do Murdoch again, uh, they didn't ask me to do Murdoch again. They asked me to play another character, but yeah. it became Murdoch because the fans said it's Michael Day Barr. Then clearly, you know, what the fuck is it? Yeah, right. Who, who's <laughs> he MacGyver. Yeah, what, a, what's yeah, he playing? Yeah, yeah. Terry Hatcher? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael Day Barr as Terry, Terry Hatcher. Hatcher. Yeah. Tonight at nine. <laughs> yeah. I love her, by the way. She's a great girl. Yeah. That's why you were able to do her role so well. Well, I've done other things with her. Lois and Clark, I you, did You worked with her, with her in two separate... A few other shows. Yeah. Superboy or something. I, oh, yeah. I have yeah, yeah, stories, yeah. though. I mean, you know, I, gosh, American television has been so amazing for mm. me. You know, I did the first season of Jump Street oh, that, right, with a guy yeah. called Johnny Depp. <laughs> Who? And he yeah. was so, I could not believe how beautiful he was. Uh-huh, right. I remember Steve came up to see me yeah. in Vancouver where we were shooting it. And we were in the trailer, and Johnny was a sex whistle fanatic sure as is evidenced by his current incarnation with the hollywood vampires right um and alice and and joe perry and those guys um and he was originally intending on being a musician the kids he was a musician i mean like yeah yeah he was a a career in in florida and nick cage etc you know the story but johnny was doing it and i remember we were in the trailer my trailer and you know he was playing guitar with steve uh, this is a pretty fascinating moment. And then Johnny fell asleep. He's just exhausted. You know, those, those, when you're the star of a series, it's incredibly tiring. And we were looking at him, these hardened, grizzled <laughs> rock and rollers, looking at this early 20s god, Dionysus. Yeah. He made Jim Morrison look like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> he was fantastic. Yeah. And he goes, and Jonesy looks at me, he goes, he's not got a black head on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's another example of Jones, uh, Steve Jones's uh, incredible wit. Oh, he's uh, the funniest guy alive. He's hilarious because he'll interview, um, he's so funny in his interviews that his mind is just constantly uh, churning. Well, and- it's not, it's, yeah, but the thing is, is that he's not stuck. Yeah, yeah, right, it's right, exactly right. what you're saying. He's not stuck in like, so what was, you know, Ginger Baker really like? You know, it's not. Actually, I'm thinking of another parallel now. So when you were saying that the people who have, they have rock and roll and that's it. And that's the thing that they sort of, their fantasies are, are in and that's all of that. And then they can't help but sort of talk to you as if you're maybe a product or something like that. Mm. It's exactly similar to what Brian gets sometimes mm. with the drag race mm. phenomena. Well, that's your job. Yeah. And no, I'm thinking also the the culture too of that people they like, seize onto it. It's so meaningful. Well, to them. but that's their only way of re- but it's, you know they don't know that you really like to play Monopoly, right? <laughs> so they're not going to ask you about Monopoly. Are and we they? keep that off the podcast. So oh, I'll yeah. bleep that, but that's yeah. fine. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the thing I think the thing about that is is you've got to be you've got to give them what they want. You know, sure. I sure. mean you're an entertainer, so yeah. that's for your job. But yeah. um, I'm just saying to you guys that on a personal level, it it, yeah. it it depends where you're at. You know how you respond. With me, it's different. You that you know. That I mean, also in the personal setting, in, yeah. the, in the personal setting, as yeah, you described and I've before. let go of all of that. Yeah. You know, that's not who I am, you know, um, and I have, and therefore when one is reminded of something, then you can be courteous, but only to a degree. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. 
And in like in an interview situation, it's different than you're just sitting around at a dinner party or something, and then someone comes at you with a whole laundry list of yeah, it's a drag. facts and figures or something like that. Or yeah, it's a drag. Things. And what my girl does is she just goes, um, Michael. Like she, you know, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we have a system. There's an emergency in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Are there any, um, this is kind of a stupid question, but I'm just thinking of any like classic roles in, in, um, in Hollywood movies that you would like to play. Oh, that I would like to play. Yeah. yeah I, I'd like to do a, a piece about, um, vampirism, ah, which yeah. I'm fascinated by, um, because I really think I am one in many <laughs> respects. Um, you know, my father was an occultist. Oh, really? And I have studied that. Um, and I, I would like to portray um, somebody that explored the darker side of life. Yeah. Um, I think you'd be quite good at yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you look like a really stylish well, I vampire. Just, I mean, I I did explore it. <laughs> <laughs> please, As go we, on. Yes, just no, no, please, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's, let's explore that. Well, there were no cameras, you know. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, Magic is a ritual. This is magic with a K at the... Uh... If you want. Yeah, obviously. Smartass. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it's ritualistic and I love ritual. Yeah. But it, it's, uh, it, it's, it was all, in retrospect, done by a young guy who just wanted to experiment. And, you know, the British... Uh, how can I put this? Upper class... Mm. is the most perverse group of people on the planet. Really? Really? Yes. And because there's a fleeting elitism that is now gone. Mm -hmm. So you my father was the last of the, you know, my father apparently as a young man would go to the Thames, the docks on the River Thames, mm -hmm. and the Chinese sailors had bunks where they would smoke opium. Mm -hmm. And my father told me in one of the rare moments I saw him that he would go to these places and smoke opium, and there'd be all the Chinese sailors all stoned, and then occasionally you'd see a black top hat. Ah, uh, okay. With white gloves. Yeah. Hanging off that bunk and Lord Alfred, you know, <laughs> sure. lying there at his head. And I that image stayed yeah. with me. Yeah. And because I was interested in Crowley and, and then Jimmy, you know, and all of that, and because uh, Jimmy Page had the his tarot deck, he had his cloak. Did he buy his home? He bought Bolskin, which was in the north of England and... Uh, uh, and, it, and he, that was Aleister Crowley's yeah. residence, yeah. One of the residences, Residence, yeah. Crowley had, and uh, and so we're all very into magic with a K. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> I made a, a switch when I realized that love is what I'm about, and mm -hmm. uh, and not uh, 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 masturbatory pleasure, mm -hmm. because that's all it is. So you try and underscore it with something that you think is in, is is magical and different. But the true magic is us here. Yeah. There's no lighting that will make our lives any better um, than we can. Mm -hmm. Sure. The best lighting in the world is a light from somebody else's heart coming towards you. That's it. Yeah. This is a spiritual spotlight. It's not about excess or extremism. 
that's not necessary. It's so interesting because the people that are the most confused and angry and fearful are the ones that turn to the black arts because it gives them some power that they don't have. So it gives them a potency that they don't have. Mm -hmm. So they can only get off. It's literally, the sexuality of it is literally, I can't be intimate with anybody, so I'm going to fuck a goat. (laughs) <laughs> maybe that'll work yeah, yeah you know and i'll feel good about myself right. and i'm not exaggerating no i know that's clearly what that is sure and that's for children mm-hmm. evil children yeah, yeah. <laughs> damien <laughs> you know, perhaps yeah, but yeah. for me fuck off i yeah. mean i love you i don't need to go through those rituals and sure but for me to understand that, I had to go through that process. It's mm-hmm. not some intellectual exercise mm-hmm. that you would work out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was yeah. exposed to that shit, uh, if, you, if you'll pardon the pun. Yeah. <laughs> was Crowley a big drug user? It was a heroin addict heroin his addict. entire life. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. He died alone in a boarding house in Hastings in Sussex, not far from where I was born, uh, on living on boiled eggs and heroin. Damn. But... They don't have that at Denny's anymore, by the way. Yeah. So but I mean, he did, uh, you know, he he was a brilliant guy and it was the Theosophical Society where Yeats was a part of it and a lot of William Mathers and a lot of great writers, William Blake, you know, I mean, there's a long history of intellectuals who have explored that, you know, um, and he was one of them. But at that time, the elite children of these dreadful families, of which I was one, uh, were privileged. There was no distractions uh, that quite matched magic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no MTV, there's no computers in itself. Sure, this right. is the early sure. 1900s. So therefore, the elite had all the money in the world. Right. I mean, there was either people living in castles or living in mud. Yeah. There's nothing in between that. So what are you going to do? You're going to go as far out as you can go. The most provocative thing available, the most exclusive thing available. If you look at the great romantic poets, too, and Byron and his lifestyle, it was as perverse as as you could possibly imagine. And and yet the work was so romantic and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Shelley and Byron is probably the best example of that, you know, mad, bad and dangerous to know stuff, Mm -hmm. which is what Keith Richards was. Yeah, I mean, Lord Byron was Keith Richards. You know, Keith Richards is Lord Byron with a guitar. It's, it's all the same a prototype, archetype. Mm-hmm. It's the same bad boy, danger. And uh, after a while, you see the transition. Let's say Keith Richards is a symbol of something, which he is, a tremendous symbol to everybody. But what has he been doing for the last 20 years? Smiling. <laughs> <laughs> right. Have you ever seen a photograph of Keith Richards where he wasn't smiling? Not in the last, no. 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 And he's not bashing at somebody, I'll fucking kill him, fucking mick, and, you know, like yeah. anger. Yeah. Which is, you know, when you hit the dope thing and you're so doped up and anxious and mick is, is so fit and wants to be a solo star. You know, it's so yeah, obvious. Yeah. Are those what, classic interviews from the 80s when Keith would rip into him. Yeah, rip They'd into just say, how, how, so how's you have an album? He's like, yeah, fucking Mick. That would be like the first thing out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So all that's gone. And that's a wonderful example of what I'm trying to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for your audience to understand that, yeah, some people have to go through that in order to achieve some kind of like enlightenment. Right. You know, and clearly he's got like the, all these beautiful children, grandchildren, you know, and a few pe- decent songs, you know, and, 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 <laughs> and you know the greatest guitar player, songwriter. You bet. You know, I mean, unbelievable, simplistic, brilliant, all about feel, like Steve Jones. I want to uh, get into a couple things about 
moments in your life where you overcame adversity, one of which would be after it seemed like you'd be okay because in the 70s you were in Silverhead and then you were in Detective and Silverhead was on Deep Purple's label and then Detective was on Led Zeppelin's label and the ethos at the time was that the album's not right so we're going to redo the whole thing and Zeppelin ended up spending about a million dollars right on 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 your record. Yeah. You open for Kiss, all this stuff, you know, sort of the, uh, just to give the audience an idea of the trappings of that time. Yeah. But then in around uh what what year would it be when you were living in LA in the like sort of uh, a tiny apartment and 74. Oh no, no, I mean like after I'm saying like after, after that when detective, you're, Oh, when all of that collapsed? When that when all that collapsed. Oh yes. yeah, we just had a little house um on Vista in Hollywood uh-huh. and uh, Happy as a Lark, you know, uh, broke and yeah. trying to figure out what to do next. Um, and, you know, this is pre-check at best. Right. You know, and pre-sobriety is, as well. Yes. Well, I, yeah, pre-sobriety. After Detective Folded, which was an unbelievable journey, when you're under the aegis of Led Zeppelin at their peak, right. and you are a, a, an artist on that label, man, you know, um, it was so difficult for us, you know, because I loved them, you know, but we were waiting around, you know, for a year or two before we recorded, you gave okay. us a million bucks. I mean, what do you expect is going to happen? <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah. Some mild mischief. This is and, 1977. Uh, and, yeah. you know, so. Coke still was uh, thought of as a good thing then, so. Well, it wasn't because <laughs> I, 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 you know, I bought Baru, you know, so <laughs> it was awful. Um, wow. Then come. What happened was I did a TV show called uh, WKRP in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was the singer in this band called Scum of the Earth, and it was tremendously, hugely responded to. Yeah, uh, especially my character was, and as a result, I started to get, you know, work as an actor. Again. Yeah. And uh, and it, it took off, you know. And just to clarify for listeners, you had stopped acting for a good long while. Oh yeah, because I, when you got into um, rock, yeah, in seventy two, yeah. But I'd already done to serve with love in many plays and many British, yeah, you know, TV shows. But then I did the Dirty Show in Town in seventy one, which was a nude musical. Oh really? A nude musical? Yeah. Like O Calcutta, and I played an androgynous rock star called Rose. And what happened was Andrew Lloyd Webber saw it and said, hmm. And they were doing all the demos for uh, Superstar. So I, Jesus Christ, Superstar. So I ended up singing Judas. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and then he went, all right. So then he got me a record deal. That's how I got my record deal. Really? It was, wow. it was Andrew and Tim, yeah. Was that and, with Robert Stigwood? You bet. You bet. And what a. F- Man, talk about Caligula. Talk about Roman Empire. <laughs> really? I've always been fascinated with Stigwood, but never wow. been able to find much information about him. Well, you never will. <laughs> because <laughs> That's it, how intense it, it's, it was. It's, yeah. it's, it, yes. London at that time was Lionel Bart, you know, a lot who wrote Oliver and couldn't read or write music. Really? Wow. Yeah. Lionel Bart, brilliant guy, but gay uh, guys who really. Um, created empires of lust huh. and uh, you know there were a lot of willing victims this is the thing about stardom uh-huh. you know you'll do anything and th- they played off that somewhat like what's happening and being uh, you know um, exposed now sure yeah. uh, with Harvey Weinstein etc 
it was like that then in London in the late 60s. But it was like that also in gangsterism, because the thing about rock and roll in those days was, you know, Peter Grant was a gangster. For those that are not familiar, he was Led Zeppelin's manager. Yeah, okay. and uh, you know he was he worked with the Yardbirds with Jimmy, and he loved Jimmy so much. And by the way, Peter Grant, I adored, but he was worked with Don Arden, who was Ozzy's wife's, you know, driver. Yeah, Peter Grant was Don Arden's oh, driver. And, okay, and uh, yeah, and Don Arden, uh, folks, go look him up if you're not familiar with him. There's a documentary on him that's really good, terrifying uh, man who ripped off. Scads and scads and scads of bands. Held Steve Marriott out the window for the publishing. Oh, my God. So that was that world that I was living in. And um, But then I, then I did that show, and that show gave me a certain kind of professionalism, even though it was very controversial because we were naked and I was 19, 20. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Andrew goes, okay, so let's get him a record deal. And, and I got it at Purple Records because Gillen sang Jesus and Ian oh, okay, Gillen sure. was Steve Purple, blah, 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 blah. And then Silverhead and then Japan and then Coke and then LA and then Miss Pamela, New York. And oh, man. And then Detective Zepp and Jimmy, boom, you know, wow. Years wait, waiting for months and months and months and drugs and more drugs. And then we made the record. Then we didn't like it. We made it again. <laughs> and it, it took us three and more drugs. Dude, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, in all seriousness, you know, we took three months to get a drum sound. Right. Can you sure. imagine? I mean, this is a <laughs> oh fact. I say it all the time. I, I always quote this, but to put things in perspective, you guys in your bedrooms and your pro tools. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, we were at the record plant in the sauna, <laughs> you know, with, you know, naked nubiles, of yeah. which there were innumerable nubiles, which is the name of my new band. So <laughs> Look for that on iTunes and Amazon right, right now. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's madness, you know. Sure. And, uh, but then all of it collapsed, and then me and Miss Pam just me and Miss Palmer, and then she got pregnant, and then you know we were fighting for survival and doing anything. And she did like TV commercials and did a soap opera. Uh-huh. And I was living with the biggest coke dealer in town, <laughs> oh who lived gosh. in Benedict Canyon. Then I remember that Robert and Jimmy and everybody would come over, and we'd had all the coke, and it was just, and you know, and I couldn't swim, and they threw me in the pool. It was a nightmare. But <laughs> I mean, a lot of things happened. Um, but you know, things gradually uh, sort themselves out. I got on telly. I started act again, and then I met Mike Chapman. Mike Chapman, who's going to be a guest on this show, actually, very oh, soon. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, him and uh, Maddie, him. Mike and yeah. Maddie, are going to be coming to L.A. and um, going to be. On the well, show. when they do, yeah. give him my love. I certainly will. Because I love Mike Chapman. I have a deep respect for him. But I met him and he liked me and it boom, boom, boom. And, and for then, listeners not familiar yet, Mike Chapman produced all the big Blondie records in the late 70s, wrote and produced uh, Kiss You All Over for Exile, wrote uh, and produced Heart and Soul and Do You Believe in Love for Huey Lewis. The list goes, and also Mike uh, uh, Michael DeBar's I'm Only Human record, he yeah, produced that. But he also did the sweet Ballroom Blitz Susan wrote and produced Quattro, that. You know, a lot of great glam came out of Mike Chapman. Mike Chapman actually created that sound of glam um, in England, along with Tony Visconti and Mick Ronson and Bowie, obviously, and Mark, all of that stuff, which which I was part of all of that. I mean, there's so many stories. Where do you end? But anyway, uh, 81, I did uh, I'm Only Human, and that was the last... We did it in San Francisco. My fan base was basically Coke dealers. <laughs> and we did I'm Only Human, and then I quit. Uh-huh. I just couldn't do it anymore. I went to London. I had a semi-hit with I'm Only Human, the single, and came back and went, oh. So with that audience, so I imagine the, the, the shows themselves, there was a lot of people in and out of the bathroom. 
Well, here's here's the thing. Many people who I are big big rock and roll stars. Um, I've had this conversation with. Even while they were up there at Madison Square Garden, knocking a crowd sideways, their minds were in the dressing room. Oh, wow. so you sure. miss all of this, right. all of this magnificent exchange with the audience is bullshit because you're waiting to go back and cop from some seedy bastard with a Gladstone bag full of coke sure. and heroin and whatever right. else you're going to want, and that is a sad state of affairs. And I saw that too often. Yeah. Oh, that's really sad. And I thought, okay, man, I've got to stay in the moment and I can't miss these wonderful, you know, I remember when I played the garden and I I couldn't wait to get the hell off stage to get high. Yeah. You know, and when you get to that point, you know, it's really the beginning or the ending of your life. Sure. And you either say, that's ridiculous. I'm missing the final moments why so yeah. you can get fucked up and talk about yourself when you were six <laughs> <laughs> right i remember when i was six and i was, and was, and was, and was like a cat there yeah, was a yeah, cat and we yeah. killed a cat and it was, i know it's bad you know and then <laughs> shut up <laughs> shut up you know thank you oh <laughs> that was very God. interesting yeah. <laughs> i've really learned a lot i gotta go now <laughs> <laughs> is there a taxi? That <laughs> it's another thing that Uber has been so helpful with is getting away from yeah. the situation. Yeah, really. right? um, a good example of how things like that can rob you of the things that ostensibly are your goals, yeah, if you yeah. want to say goals even, but the richer but experience. It's also where your money goes. Oh, sure. True. So you, get so you can these, lose the experience, lose, lose the money. Everything. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Everything's gone. Really happy. One-stop yeah. shopping if you just want to sort of piss everything away. Well, it's not that you want anything. It's that you're, uh, it's an obsession. You can't do anything about it. And that's why I wrote Obsession. When I got sober in 81, I wrote Obsession, the words. And then Holly got hold of it and Mike got hold of it. Um, Holly Knight, your co-writer on that, who went on to... Uh, Right, uh, Ragdoll for Aerosmith and uh, any number of... Better Be Good to Me. Yeah, Better Be Good to Me, which, uh, of course, Tina Turner covered, and that was co-written with Mike Chapman. That was a battlefield. I made many, many great songs. And I got uh, really blessed to write with her, and I'd written this thing about obsession, which I wrote about drugs, but then I had to rewrite it because it was a love song, you know, about a a guy who kidnapped a girl, and that's what the song's about. And the song also was the key phrase of my life, which is, who do you want me to be? Yeah. Right. To make you sleep with me, and that's it. Yeah. And and it was number one all over the world, and uh, it changed my life. But right before that, so you'd written the song, and it was on the soundtrack for the movie A Night in Heaven. It was written for that. Mm. And then the movie, which is a bit of a turd of a film, uh, didn't really take off. I don't know what the soundtrack sold. And then you, in the documentary, I remember you were saying something about how you were sort of living in a very, very modestly. There was a couple of moments where perhaps you were a male escort. I uh, did, uh, don't really want to talk about that too much other than say for about 18 months there, um, I I was really despondent and I, I, I just lost the interest in the collaborative qualities of work that I was talking about earlier in this interview sure. and the joy of, of working with people. I was just absolutely so dismayed at the results uh-huh. of these various um, situations that had not manifested in quite the way I wanted. And I'm, you know, I was in Hamburger Hamlet and there was a woman and, uh, um, who introduced me to other women. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'll say about it. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. So you mentioned that period of of that eighteen months of being despondent. What was like the 
the upswing how did you get out of that um that that bad time um well <laughs> i see everything as a performance hmm. it's either good or it's bad okay this was a bad performance hmm. interesting yeah and it was time to be recast and it's around that time when obsession is then covered by an emotion so it allows you to move yeah, on check move it into a different well, check it past and it was the happening drugs were prevalent i went to um texas with don johnson he was making a movie uh and i got a call a session was leaping up the charts all over the world yeah and i got a call i was in marshall texas and i was having lunch with ava gardner and which in of, of itself <laughs> is a hell of a statement yeah exactly <laughs> charlton heston said to me michael i'm only kidding um, <laughs> no, no no so ava gardner was in the movie and i've loved ava gardner like anybody who loves movies sure. would um frank sinatra you know the reason it's so funny that quote of ava's worship where the press says why do you you know i mean frank sinatra he weighs 120 pounds. What are you doing with Frank Sinatra? She says 110 of it is cock. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I've always wanted to meet her. So I met her, and I got a call. This is true. I got a call saying, come to New York, you know. Uh, this is a band that needs a singer, and they have a tour booked. Uh, what band? Well, we can't tell you. There's a first-class ticket waiting for you, at the, uh, the, uh, you know, and there's a limo outside, and there was, and I did, and I left. Bye, yeah. Don. <laughs> and went to New York. Got in another limo, went to an office as John Taylor and Tony Thompson sweating profusely. <laughs> and uh, I go, oh, shit, it's the fucking power station. Get it on. It was like number 10 at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, because Check It Pass had opened for Duran. Oh, okay. And Andy had remembered me. And for listeners not familiar, I'm sure most of you are with Duran Duran. Uh, in about 85, 86, the Duran Duran split into two camps. There was Arcadia. It was and 84. Then there was Okay. 84, 85. And they spin into two camps. One Arcadia with uh, Nick and Simon and the other with John and Andy Power Station with Robert Palmer and Tony Thompson from Chic and but David Bowie. And what happened was they made a record. It's great. Robert Palmer didn't want to tour. He, he, it wasn't his audience. There were 20,000 topless girls. This is my audience. <laughs> so Andy <laughs> says, I remember that guy. Let's get him. So I... Spoke with John and Tony and the promoters, you know, in this office. We went to the power station um, studio. We, I listened to the thing. They took Robert's voice off. They put, gave me a cassette of uh, just the backing tracks. They yeah. put me on the Concord, flew to London, same night. Oh, wow, yeah. In London, picked up yet another Bentley, this beautiful, <laughs> luxurious <laughs> life. It was insane. Yeah. And then they drove me to the Dorchester, where I checked in, but I had to go right to the studio. Oh, sure. I'd, l I'd listen on the plane. I'd listen. Get it on. Bang it go. <laughs> well, you dirty as we cut in black. Don't look back. Can I love you? You know the way Palmer sings? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not. I'm going, you know, I, I can't even do a demonstration because your mic will fall apart. But I, <laughs> I sing a little higher and yeah. harder than that. A little punchier. And he's yeah. like. <laughs> he's all sort of reined in. He's like telling you a secret. I'm, whereas yeah. you're like. Hey, yeah, everyone. ain't no secrets. <laughs> so I go, and then I go right to the studio and I start, you know, he's not there, Andy. 
because the point was to go to London was to meet Andy. Oh, and right. Have him okay. Say, okay, sure. this yeah. is cool. So, because you want to hear me sing the songs. So, I learned as much as I could in five hours on the Concord, which is all it took. Mm-hmm. In this studio, he doesn't appear for eight hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like been up for like a month. Right. <laughs> and I'm in the studio, and then, he, and then he arrives in a billow of marijuana smoke <laughs> yes. with two bodyguards, little guy, tiny little geezer. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. arrives. And meanwhile, I got the engineer to set up get it on and as he walked in you know i sang perfectly yeah one verse one chorus of mark boland's classic get it on bang a motherfucking gong yeah he hits the the, you know stop everything click let's go shopping (laughs) oh my god (laughs) we went to vivian westwood and i spent 80 grand oh no i (laughs) didn't <laughs> I bought a bunch of outfits and I got back on the Concord. Yeah. Well, well it's good to get like three in a week. I'm yeah, like, man. <laughs> yeah. And then went back to New York, checked into the Carlisle Hotel, which is divine. Yeah. And uh, two days later, oh, that's right. Then Don came to New York and we went that night to um, a Chinese restaurant, very. You know, highfalutin uh-huh. Chinese, Chinoise. Ah. Ooh. And John Taylor's there. Yeah. Before we got to the hotel, the, the, the restaurant, I got a call from my manager saying, you're out. Robert Palmer's decided to do the tour. Oh, this oh is my true. God. Yeah. Right after flying halfway around the world and back. Yeah. Oh and then Don's there, so we go to eat. It's sort of sad. Who's in the restaurant? John Taylor. At another table. Don goes, I got my cabbie right back. <laughs> he goes over to John Taylor. He says, I can I have a word with you? Says, can we go outside? Sonny fucking Crockett, this is, yeah, right? So yeah. John, it turned out, adored Miami Vice. Sure. All I know is I went back to the hotel, Carlisle. I said, well, at least I got all these Vivian Westwood, you know, clothes. <laughs> I can go back to LA and sell them. And, uh, <laughs> And the phone rang at 8 a.m., and it was my manager, Danny Goldberg, oh, right. who said, uh, you're back in. They made a deal with him last night. And I, I only learned years later that it was a merchandising deal oh. where he got a bigger piece of the merch. Wow, okay. And, and, uh, because he never wanted to do it, and, the, and, and, yeah. and, and, and he wouldn't have liked it anyway. He's an amazing artist, and I love him to this day. And I knew him way before the Duran years. I mean, sure. I, we, we did a lot of gigs over here with Vinegar Joe. We had a band with a girl called Elkie Brooks. It was like a white Icantina, uh-huh. soulful, great, brilliant. Loved him and uh, respected him greatly and still do. But, you know, I don't fill anybody's shoes, you know. No, right, yeah, exactly. I bring my own shoes. And, and also, yeah. he was off to make his next record, which well, was his no, biggest was, record, right? Uh, he was, yeah. But, you know, he, he you know he passed away from substances and stuff. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a lengthy story, which is not mine to tell. I had the suspicion, because when you're a certain age, 50 and cigarette smoker and whatever, and you Well, you're not going to make 60. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But so, anyway... Um, that's another reason to stay sober and the vanity of it all. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but so then, yeah, and I rehearsed for a few days and then did a little show called Live Aid. Yeah, just a ca- casual just, little neighborhood <laughs> show. <Showed> up. <laughs> Two billion people, I think, something like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I think stories like that are also good to, in part, especially with people who might be struggling with worrying about 
things aren't going the way that they you never know yeah Yeah. listen here's the key this is what i learned for your audience and certainly for myself and it worked the secret of it all is is to um remain enthusiastic remain interested and know that things can change in a heartbeat the thing is about it is you've got to be ready sure that means eating well yeah that means drinking water that means flossing your teeth, which Patty Smith starts every show with, by the way. <laughs> really? <laughs> we, 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 Floss your fucking teeth, are you, you stupid bastards. Are you serious? I am serious. <laughs> if you think about that, punk rock is not dental floss. <laughs> right. Which is a great t-shirt. That, that is, yeah, that is a, good, is a good t-shirt, yeah. But Patty Smith is a shaman and a priestess of punk. If she can say it, then we can all think it. Be sure. It, do it. Because wow. I will tell you, if you're not physically up for it, you will fall on your ass. And that's why I espouse fitness and health, you know, which is what I am. I'm 70 years old. I can, you know, I weigh the same as I did in those days. Wow. I eat well, you know, I uh, grow my own food. I, you know, wow. I, uh, like anything, I'm obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> but channeling that tendency into something productive is about the best you can do because well, you can't it, shake yeah. it, right? Um Gosh, you know, I just would say that the most important thing for anybody to hear here is being ready and being healthy and fit and and excited about life rather than numbed and shocked and and saddened by it. I mean, I've had pitfalls that you wouldn't believe, Uh, you know, the abyss. The abyss was my buddy, you know. Yeah. I thought the abyss was my home for many, many times in my life, but it wasn't. And and I, I, I feel great about being able to clamber uh, up and out yeah you know once you the darkness is gone what's left light sure. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perpetual light yeah even at night can't help but rhyme it's, well i hope you nice guys thing. have enjoyed me chatting I'm, yeah i'm bored now <laughs> <laughs> i bored myself to death. <laughs> well i think that was good i think we should uh, record one now because i think the rehearsal was great and if we just keep that vibe <laughs> that energy i mean we've had the coffee so uh <laughs> <laughs> no it's been great you guys are great and i've really enjoyed the thank conversation. you so much thank you so much for joining us michael of course man yeah anytime wonderful. and give my love to mike chapman and all you well. guys out there you know um, you can you can think anything you like of me, but know this: everything I say is the truth. And I would never lie to you, and I love you. And be kind and be cool, be courageous. Would be, I suppose, summing up this whole conversation. You can hear me on the radio, Little Stevens Underground Garage, Sirius XM Channel Twenty One, eight a.m. to eleven a.m. Eastern, and nine p.m. to midnight on the West Coast. I love you. Have fun. Fabulous. Thank you.
rest You want to leave, stay There's no alternative Your face appears again I see the beauty there But I see danger Stranger beware Of circumstance You can make dreams Your reflection Is not what it seems Obsession Oh. 